Hey everybody, this is Joe Langworthy here with my co-host Thomas Wolfel for episode 14 of Tailgate Talk, a six-column sports podcast. Uh, Thomas is currently eating pizza, so and he's drinking a beer. So if you uh, <laughs> if, if you, I'll, if you I'll hear off, something, that's what he's doing. I'll lay off the pizza, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to keep drinking the beer. That's a cheese pizza, I assume. Well, yeah. If it has uh, anything else on it, it has way too much flavor for my liking. So I right. got uh, cheese and sauce <laughs> and uh, bread. It's basically a flat grilled cheese without a top. And, there you go. Uh, and a nice yingling. So. You know, there you go. Welcome Can't to be- uh, dinner in the Wiffle household. There you go. Um, yeah, so we are nearing the end of week one of Mizzou football camp. So how do you, how do you feel about the team right now, Thomas? Well, I mean, we've got four days in, so probably going to go when 15 games, is it? 15? 12-0, yeah. 13 for the conference tournament or conference championship, 14 and would be the playoff with 15 would be the championship. So, uh, I don't see still, why it's Is there still only four teams in the in the playoff this year? Yeah, I think or until did, next did year. Did it to 12? Oh, okay. I think next year it goes to 12. So, okay. we're going to be the last team ever to go um, finish 15 and 0. 15 and 0, yeah. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and then next year we'll have to win 16 or whatever. And if we yeah. don't, then it's probably time to fire the coach. So. Right, just kind of where we're at. <laughs> That's a a high bar you've set there. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm just kidding. I mean, I think it's gone pretty well. It sounds like there's not been any major injuries, um, with the exception of kind of the one we talked about at the beginning of the week that sounds like it happened prior to uh, to camp. Right, I did yeah. see just as a kind of an update on that. I know uh, initially it was reported lower body. You and I had kind of speculated that it might be the knee again for. Uh, I think Isaac Thompson is his name, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, it sounds like maybe Drinkwitz uh, let a uh, comment slip where he mentioned a knee injury, but then corrected yeah, himself and said lower body. So, um, you know, again, we don't know for sure. We don't want to say for certain that it's a bad knee injury, but we know he's had that injury in the past and he's out for the year. So uh, you kind of connect the dots and you hope it's not the case, but um you know, beyond that, it seems like everyone else is back and healthy. Uh, and that's about all you can ask for the first week of practice, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, from from what I've seen from pictures of camp, they haven't even put on the put on the leg pads yet. They're not they're not going full yet. Um, you know, the first first one or two practices is just helmets and shorts, basically. And then um, they put on the shoulder pads, give them a little bit of uh I think Pinkle used to call it crack. Is that, so, <laughs> is that was it? it? Like he, big, like they could crack. Pink, like they, could, they could hit each other. Um, you trying to say Pinkle was a sound. big dr- big drug guy? Big drug guy? Is that what <laughs> big big wine guy? But uh, uh, probably too soon for that one. But uh, <laughs> um, so, so they really haven't done a whole lot, which is which is good because if you if you had injuries in these three practices, they'd be serious because those non-contact injuries are usually, you know, yeah, not good. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And the other thing too is you kind of keep an eye on is people that were injured last year are they back to full strength? It sounds like EJ, and I'm not even going to try to say his last name, uh, 
the offensive lineman who was a fresh, you know, freshman last year that I think started against South Carolina, played really well. It sounds mm-hmm, like he's mm-hmm. back to full strength and with no restrictions. And um, and it sounds like Brady Cook is, you know, fully ingrained throwing the ball again. So it sounds like everyone's healthy. That's all you could ask for, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely, definitely positives. Yeah. So you, you had so, some things you wanted to you wanted yeah. to discuss. Well, I got just a couple different questions for you. I mean, I've okay. well, first off, before we get to the questions, you know, we talked about running backs last week. It does sound like, uh, you know, Cody Schrader's taking first team reps with uh, Nathaniel Pete taking second team reps, but it does sound like Jamal Roberts is already starting to uh, work his way into third team uh, reps, which is a, probably a little bit of news. Tavoris Jones obviously came in as a highly regarded running back, and it sounds like he might already be passed up. So, you know, what do you think that's a, a – uh, is that a testament to Jamal Roberts, or do you think maybe Tavoris Jones isn't quite where uh, everyone thought he was when he came out of high school? Oh, I think it's uh, – I mean – uh, this is obviously just speculation because I'm not watching practice and I don't, I don't not a part of the meetings with the coaches or anything like that. But I think that it's, it's more a testament to Jamal Roberts because, you know, I think that Tavoris Jones didn't play a ton last year, but he did mm-hmm. play like he did. Yeah, he, he did. He did get, he in. had a kickoff return. He, he got a few carries like he played. I think he fumbled was, once, didn't he? He fumbled once and then we didn't That's see him for thought. a few weeks. Um, and so, um, you know, the coaches obviously felt, thought highly of him last year and, um, you know, there, I, I remember, uh, I don't remember specific praise, but I remember praise about him and thoughts of he's going to be good. Uh, and so, you know, unless he just completely stopped working and he like didn't go to workouts. I think this is more about who Jamal Roberts is and what he what he's doing. So, which would be a big positive. Which would be a big positive, and you know, I think that one thing that everybody has to remember, uh, myself included, is you know, Tavoris Jones redshirted last year. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, the two guys ahead of him that are definitely ahead of him are not going to be on the team next year. So, and I'm sure yeah. that's something that they're you know reinforcing with both those guys with both Jones and uh Roberts mm-hmm. is hey just keep working you know this is this is your this is your position to lose next year I mean you guys can be the two-headed monster next year so. yeah yeah and I well I would say too probably I mean you know if, if Roberts has already passed him in their eyes then he's probably the real deal just because you know if you take Jones and you put him you know if you knock him back to fourth string because of a true freshman then uh he's i would say he's very likely to be thinking about the portal by the end of the season now obviously you can go stagger running back out of the portal and you know somebody that would be able to step in and help but you know if Tavoris jones was a guy that they thought was a complete stud um then they might be handling it a little bit differently maybe not but uh with the transfer portal you always it's always kind of interesting to see how they handle the younger guys just because you know, like I said, you, they can take off anytime they want. And uh, if they don't feel like they've got a clear path to a position at some point in time, then they typically leave fairly quickly. Right. And I also do think that um, another thing to, to keep in mind is it is week one of camp. And we have two guys that are seniors. Um, and so you could use, um, and I, I think coaches do this, 
is they can use um, spots on the depth chart to motivate kids. Yeah. You know, um, Tavares Jones or Jamal Roberts, either one of them might be, you know, Drink might be going into the closed door meetings with the other coaches and saying, holy crap, guys, like this kid's win the Heisman. But right. he keeps him at third string so that, you know, kid doesn't start getting a big head and doesn't, you know, stops listening to what they're saying. Right. Obviously, I don't yep. think that's really what's exactly happening. I don't think that either one of them is that good. But I right. do think that there's a little bit of psychological games going on right now that, uh, yeah. you know, we're especially not, this we're early not in camp. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. especially this early in camp. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so. so the next two are actually about kind of about starting positions. So we're going to do a little bit of news or noise. Uh, so Brady Cook, it sounds like, has been working as a field goal holder. I don't yeah. know if you've seen that. I saw uh, that. Now, now, to be fair, in the last eight to ten years, nearly every starting quarterback has been moved off of that role. Is that is it news that he's starting to take those reps? And uh, maybe they're looking at a different starting quarterback? Or do you think there's a real chance that our starting quarterback also holds field goals for, uh, for the place? Well, kicker? my thought on that is um, I remember this is probably not accurate. But there's only one starting quarterback. Only exactly. Only one starting quarter. I'm gonna so I'm gonna say it as fast. In all of Division One college football last year, there was one starting quarterback that was the field goal holder for his team. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that that team and Stetson Bennett won the national championship last year. So I think Drink sees that and he's like, that's what that's that's what Kirby Smart – that's what we're missing. That's what Kirby Smart knows that we don't. And so he's putting Brady Cook as the as the field goal holder, 15-0. and 0. So, so, <laughs> so what you're looking at is you're basically saying you and, – and now we have mentioned that, you know, Drinkwitz did say during the media days that he was going to uh, actually take over a couple different pieces of special teams. He was going to have his, a much heavier hand you know, and how the special teams work now that he's not calling plays and spending, you know, his entire week getting ready for that. Uh, so you think maybe it's – he saw maybe an advantage from it from Georgia or thinks he saw an advantage from it from Georgia and that's what he's leaning towards is more what you're thinking uh, the thought process might be. Yeah, I mean, that was a li- obviously a little sarcastic. Um, I do think that – uh, a lot of teams had had went to I think their punters usually as the holders, uh, yeah. which is definitely an NFL style of doing things. What I think a lot of teams are realizing is uh, NFL punters are are athletes, professional <laughs> athletes, right? Like yeah. they're professional athletes. College punters, and I'm not criticizing college punters, but as a whole, college punters are soccer players high high school soccer players that were just happened to be the ones that punted the ball farther than anybody else in high school right you know th- right. there was a reason that you know only one or two punters from from each year in college make it to the NFL and so you need to put somebody a little more athletic back there uh, if you want to do any sort of trick plays and stuff yeah and that's what I was thinking too it like does that. yeah it does allow you to snap the ball to the quarterback and have him stand up and throw a pass. Um, 
I don't know for sure. It was just something I thought was interesting. I don't remember for yeah. sure if Stetson Bennett started that before he was a starting quarterback. I know he, you know, started yeah, as a walk-on and worked his way. Yeah, he did. He, so he that might have just continued just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be a little bit more to the story than you know. Hey, we've got a starting quarterback. Let's throw him in it. Field goal holder. <laughs> I just thought it was odd because if you got an absolute, you know, game-changing stud quarterback, I wouldn't think you'd want him catching a, you know, opening themselves up to a a box snap or whatever. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. And then uh, one other thing I've got here, it looks like we've, we're going to obviously dig deeper into the offensive line here uh, in a week or two. But, um, you know, I do think it's worth noting that Connor Tolleson is still uh, getting starters reps at center. Now, a lot over the, over the summer was made that uh, obviously they brought in, um, the right guard out of Houston, Cameron Johnson, and the plan was to move him to center. It sounds like he's practicing with the second team. Uh, do you think Connor Tolleson is still the man to beat at center, or do you think this is a little bit more of uh, pushing people through the motions to make sure they feel like they've earned uh, their role on the on the uh, starting offensive line? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think that Tolleson, I mean, it sounds like he's gained weight, so he's probably done – what they wanted him to do. Um, presumably he has gotten better at snapping the football. You know, presumably he's been practicing that. Uh, you would, you would hope. Um, and so, you know, I don't think it's one of those where it's like, he hasn't done anything to lose his starting role. So he's the incumbent. He's going to be with the ones until somebody pushes him off of that. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing that, had some people worried and is kind of an under under thought about part of this is that Cameron Johnson is moving to center. It's not like he was a starting center and moving, just switching from Houston to Mizzou. He's going up a level of football and trying to learn a new position. And as far as it goes on the offensive line, center is the one position that's really different than the other four. Um, I right. mean, Right guard and or tackle and guard have different responsibilities, and you know guards pull more, tackles pass block more, you know that sort of thing. And obviously tackles are more on the outside, so they have to cover a bigger area. Guards are are uh, doing things in in more of a confined space, and so there's similarities between guard and center in that regard. But the center has that responsibility of he's got to get the ball back to the quarterback. He's got to do that and get then get his hand up to block whoever he's going to block. And it's usually a, you know, nose tackle that's right over him. You know, so it's it's not like a, you know, a tackle has a few steps before a DN gets to him because, you you, you know, you, you take a few pass block steps back. The DN is usually, you know, three, three feet off of you and comes at you that way. And then, you know, you have time to, like, get that, get your hands ready. A center, he's got he's to snap the ball back so his hand is, you know, for lack of a better, you know, sorry I'm trying to keep this podcast clean, but his hand is down by his dick, and then he's got to pop Whoa! his hand. Whoa! <laughs> we got children listening. Well, no, he's not doing anything down there, hopefully. <laughs> I'm digging this into a deeper hole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're really deep already. Down there by his private parts. Thank you. Sorry. Um, if I knew how to bleep things out, I'd bleep out what I said earlier. I apologize. 
hit the dump button. <laughs> down there, down there by his private parts, and then he's got to pop his hands back up to be closer to his chest where the the defender is going to be hitting him. And so, um, and there's also a lot a, more pre pre snap work that you got. And be then the center is usually the too. one that's in charge of the pre snaps, so it's got to be directing. You know, he's the one that's other other guys are calling what they think they should be doing. You know, if if they think they should be sliding out to to take one guy. They're going to call that, but it's the center that needs to be the one that says, okay, this is what we're all doing. At least that's usually how it goes. Um, and so it's the center that's, you know, the, you know, pretty famous. You see all those uh, clips of Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday, and, you know, it's, it's Jeff Saturday mm-hmm. that's the one that's calling out who the mic is, you know, who the middle linebacker yep. is, which is how they base all their calls off of. And so, you know, there's, there's the mental game too that, that Cameron Johnson did not have to do last year. And Connor Collison did do that last year. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't – I'm not going to say he was very good at it. Um, you know, he wasn't He wasn't a very good center last year. He, there was a lot of issues. But he's done it before. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, and, and you know, we've talked about it. He, he struggled off – the whole offensive line last year struggled. I do think he improved a little bit as the year went along. And the other thing you got to remember is, I mean, he was a redshirt freshman that had never played center before and hadn't really played college football before, and they threw him in at center. Um, Right. You know, I do think it's important. I think it's of note. Last year, I think his uh, listed weight was 286 or 280. I think it was 286. Uh, This year, at least on the form they handed out the first day of practice, uh, he was listed at 304. So. Uh, you know, I, I do think that 20 pounds of weight is positive. Now, I know, you, you know, we've talked about it and you've mentioned it before that they do lose weight as the season goes along. But, uh, you know, if he's added 20 pounds, that's helpful. I think last year he had trouble. He did have trouble, you know, a little bit with snaps. Um, but most of the time he was in the right place. Uh, sometimes he was getting run over by a 320 pound offensive or defensive tackle but he at least was where he needed to be. So, you know, I do think there's a chance that he's, you know, gotten the position down much better. He spent the off season adding weight and he might actually be ready to roll at the center position. Um, like you said, it takes time to learn. So, I mean, the other thing could be maybe Cameron Johnson is going to, you know, work out the first two or three weeks at center, get some experience with it. And I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have your best five uh, offensive linemen there. Um, you know, come that first Thursday night. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a much – it would be a much easier transition for Cameron Johnson to slide from, you know, center the first three weeks of practice to, uh, you know, left guard. If he, you know, were to take Delgado's spot at left guard, that's a position – I think he's played right guard, but he's played guard, obviously, his whole NCAA career. So um, I think yeah. it's something he could probably make that change pretty quickly to. And uh, if you work him out the first – you know, two or three weeks at center, uh, then he'll at least have that experience if Tolleson were to get injured or if he were to struggle and you can move him over. So, you know, long story short, I think it could be positive for the offensive line if Connor Tolleson, mm-hmm. you know, I think he had offers from Alabama even when he was out of high school. Yeah. Um, so yeah. clearly he should have some talent. And if he can put it together, that would help the offensive line too. So I just thought that was interesting just because, like we said, all off season, they had basically assigned the job in the media, at least to Cameron Johnson. 
right. and uh, it doesn't seem as though that it's going to be quite as uh, cut and dry. It's not, just gift, it's not just gifted to him. Not gifted to him, and uh, that's positive. That doesn't mean Cameron Johnson won't play somewhere on the offensive line. Maybe he ends up at center, maybe he ends up at guard, but uh, I thought yeah. it was very interesting. So, um, And then kind of the last couple pieces that we had, and these all have to do with safeties, I think it's a good uh, transition into yep. uh, our position discussion today. Uh, it sounds like the, uh, you know, the safety position is pretty much already uh, figured out. And so, um, it, it, you yeah. know, it sounds like uh, Burks, the, the freshman out of St. Louis, true freshman, has really been impressive and has worked himself already into the two deep uh, behind yeah. Dalen Carlisle. And, uh, you know, obviously you'll have Dalen Carnell starting at the star position. Travez Johnson, I think, it sounds like, has already asserted himself. And one of the coaches mentioned was the uh, steal of the transfer portal out of Florida. Um, so say he's he is Florida, a little, right? Yep. Now, I will say he is a little bit small for kind of what you envision the star position to be. I think he's five foot 10, 185, which Carnell is like 6'2 or 6'3, 220. Um, so, so that's kind of They have him playing with Carnell? Apparently, they have him backing up Carnell. So I can see that uh, being Carnell being more of the linebacker safety hybrid at the star position and Johnson being more of the safety corner nickelback hybrid. That that could be. And that might be uh, interesting. Yeah. And then the last piece was Joseph Charleston. Obviously, he goes injured at the end of the year. Uh, and I think this is, you know, we can start well, after I say this, we'll get into safeties, but it sounds like Sidney Williams from Florida State and then a uh, maybe a redshirt freshman or redshirt sophomore, Tyler Hibbler, are kind of fighting it out for this, the second spot behind uh, behind Joseph Charleston. So uh, got any thoughts on obviously we knew who the starters would be, but any thoughts on uh, the kind of the backups, anybody you're really keeping an eye on? I mean, I, I keep hearing uh, Johnson's Johnson's name, um, you know, and I uh, him and him and Tristan Wilson are like the the two defensive players that I keep hearing about that you know are behind established starters, but might you know or are not might but are going to you know see the field. They're going to demand playing time, basically. So obviously that's uh definitely a big a big deal um especially because you know i see dalen carnell especially i think i think we've we've talked about him before in the past and um he's the guy on our defense that i'm like this dude's gonna be a stud like he's gonna be he's an nfl guy um and so yeah i think that i hadn't even really thought about that i i kind of why in my head Travis Johnson was playing corner um but that would make some sense for him to be kind of the kind of the anti Dalen Carnell in that um you know Carnell while he has the the pass coverage ability and that's one of the reasons that he's really good um he's a he's a bigger you know he's 6'2 220 um so he's one of the bigger safeties we have um and so, you know, he can play up near the line and play, like I said, more of the the linebacker hybrid, um, without sacrificing the the pass coverage ability. 
but then if you get into a you know a um a position where you need to go more of a nickel um you know Therese Johnson might be a little more of a corner-esque safety yeah. and, you know play play on the slot or you know whatever he needs to do yeah yep I think you're probably right I think that makes a lot of sense the kind of what I've been what I'll be paying attention to and you know last year at we were very good at the safety position, but I did think we lacked a little bit of depth. I think Jelani Williams mm-hmm. played quite a few snaps, especially when uh, Joseph Charleston went down. And it just seemed yeah. like he was caught out of position quite often and was definitely not quick enough to, you know, to make up for the for being out of place. So, uh, you know, like I said, I think it's Sidney Williams and Tyler Hibbler. Uh, it doesn't sound like they have uh, someone locked down as that backup role, but I do think that's something they've got to figure out just in case you have another injury there. Uh, obviously, you're going to have some rotation. There were some some pretty uh, obvious – I mean, I remember even the very first week against uh, Louisiana Tech, Jelani Williams came down, came in. It was his first or second snap, and the receiver, you know, caught one, ran right by him, and, you know, yeah. he scored. So yeah. – um, but, yeah, I mean, from as, as far as the defense goes, I mean, Carnell is a, a legitimate – NFL talent and yeah you know when you think about the defense and how good they were last year a lot of it had to do with their three safeties and how they played with kind of that star position and if they're going to take that next step uh you know this is a group that can help take them there I think yeah yeah and I think the the three starters I think are all all NFL guys luckily I think Carnell I think he he he's is he a red shirt sophomore or a true sophomore? I don't know for sure. He's got a few. He's, he's a like red shirt sophomore, so he could sophomore. technically leave after this year. So he'll be eligible. So I was like, yep. I was gonna say all three of the guys could be drafted well, next year. All three of the guys could be gone. I think Jalen Carlisle, even if he's not drafted, he's a, you know, he's a senior. I think he has one year. I think he has twenty twenty four eligibility left, but that would be his fifth year. A lot mm-hmm. of guys will, you know, use a grad transfer year to go somewhere else if they, you know, have played for their four years at a school. So there's a chance he could not stick around. Carnell could be, you know, if he gets drafted in the first three rounds, I can't imagine he'd stick around. And then Joseph Charleston, uh, he could be in the NFL too. Yeah, so I that's, he's, you know, I think that's, he's, he's already transferred, so he's not going to transfer, but he's correct. But he's he could go to the NFL, senior, he could stick around. Yeah. So um, I think he does have another year of eligibility left too, but, you know, point being, uh, you know, Burks and uh, Trevez Johnson, they're, they're going to get some opportunity this year and, you know, we need to see what they've got because they're going to be playing next year at one of those two positions. That's for sure. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of similar to the cornerback position, the preview we did earlier, you know, there's just, (laughs) There's not a lot to say other than you guys have all seen the the three guys that are going to get the majority of the time. We know what they are. They're good. They played really well last year. As long as they don't fall off a cliff, they're going to play really well this year. Um, And we just got to hope that there's better backups. I mean, uh, like you said, don't want to keep harping on the kid, but Jelani Williams was a, was a big disappointment um, in terms of, you know, he didn't, he didn't live up to his his recruiting hype, you know. At the at he was a four star that we all had big hopes for, and never just just never really panned out, and wasn't a great backup last year. Um, I'm not even really sure who backed up 
was it was he backing up Charleston or was he backing up Carlisle? I don't remember off the top I of my head. I don't remember but, for sure. But I don't remember no. who backed up the other one. Um and we then didn't have Mar- much we Martez Manuel uh mm-hmm. kind of split time with Carnell and you know Manuel was good. Um but yeah. Well technically I think and this is something too that I'm gonna you know is gonna be worth watching and it's gonna be very exciting. Carnell led the team I believe last year in in you know forced turnovers and yeah he, yeah. he t- didn't technically even start and I don't know for sure the snap count but I I mean he basically split down the middle if I remember correctly with yeah. uh Martez Manuel so if he plays you know 80 percent of the snaps and continues to create turnovers at that rate that's going to be a huge uh yeah. upgrade for the defense yeah his his dad is on all the is on Twitter all the time uh providing context to some of those tweets about, uh, you know, this person led the SEC in tackles or whatever, and he'll tweet, yeah, but Dalen Carnell uh, was only four tackles behind him and only had 300 snaps versus his right. 600 or, you know, something like that. I I very much appreciate that. So thank thank you to <laughs> David Carnell for, for doing that. Um, yeah. I, 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 love, I love fathers – stand up for their sons and and being proud of them and that's awesome um but it just makes me even more excited about carnell and getting getting oh yeah full full time basically so you know yeah he's he's the type of guy if he can you know and obviously it goes without saying health you hope hope they stay healthy but if he does he's somebody that you know they could be talking about it at the national stage uh yeah by the end of the year yeah for sure for sure so we got Seven minutes left um, before the the Zoom call cuts us off because uh, we do not pay for Zoom. So if anybody wants to sponsor <laughs> the podcast, we'll go longer. Um, you know, shout out. But uh, so you you want to talk about what's going on out there on the west coast of of the country? Uh, we can, yeah. Conference I mean, realignment can continues to uh i mean every single year it seems like you know a couple teams move and they say all right this is the last iteration and then the following Mm -hmm. year you've got more teams jumping ship and you know going different places so i mean it sounds a lot to me like the pac-12 is uh, hanging on by a thread what do you think yeah so colorado obviously voted to uh go crawling back to the x and uh is going back to the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's kind of what sparked it. Um, and, yeah, I think the Pac-12 then decided they were going to release their media rights uh, deal and tell the public. Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be some some deal with Apple TV um, or Apple Plus or whatever, whichever one it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's expected to pay out like $20 million a year per team, uh, which is, you know, significantly less than the Big 12 is making and every other Power 5 conference yeah. is making. Um, obviously, that didn't go over very well. And then I saw I saw one tweet explain it as, you know, they then decided they were going to have another meeting as a conference and – four of the teams instead of going to that meeting went to a meeting with a different conference. So I think, yeah. uh, you know, Washington and Oregon and Stanford and Cal, um, I think the, are those, those are the four. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that Rooker just in talks with the, the Big Ten, right? Yeah, and just I mean, you oh, mentioned right. I think it was twenty million, and uh, you know the the Big Twelve I think pays about thirty two million per team, and then the Big Ten and SEC are both in the low forties. So you're talking quite a big difference there. It sounds like the Big Ten is interested in Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford. Uh, from what I was reading earlier, Oregon and Washington are all but a done deal. I think Cal and Stanford are kind of holding their nose up in the air at the Big Ten because they think that they're uh, smarter than everybody else. We'll see if that ends up uh, falling through or uh, they end up jumping to the Big Ten. And then it sounds like the Big 12 is going to get probably both Arizona schools. And then uh, that would need leave them needing one more. It sounds like Utah would probably have interest in the Big 12, too. Um, and that would leave, you know, Oregon State and Washington State kind of uh, standing there with their you know, hand in their pants, so to speak. <laughs> and, Thanks for keeping uh, it clean. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to get interesting. And then, of course, you got the SEC who haven't really done anything. I think they're being really patient to see what happens in the ACC. I know they've got their eyes on North Carolina and Virginia, but uh, that, you know, the ACC contract seems to be a little better written in terms of, you know, the purpose being keeping them all together. So, I think I don't know for sure if the dominoes are going to fall quite as quickly as uh, as they think, but uh, I do think you're going to start seeing some movement. And I think the deadline for uh, teams to notify the Pac-12 is uh, like August 16th. So I think we'll know uh, quite a bit more by then. So we'll know. Yeah, we'll know quick. So yeah, um, yeah. I think the 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 best the best tweet I've seen. And this was sent to you and me by our buddy Nate. Uh, was somebody that said, "Good idea. Big Ten needs to add all the Pac-12 teams. Have two conferences or have two divisions. Call one the Big Ten. Call one the Pac-12. Winner of the Big Ten plays the winner of the Pac-12. They play it in Pasadena. We'll call it the Rose Bowl." <laughs> I mean, we're not that far away. We're not it's, that it's far big, away. It's it's not it's that big, unlikely. If, if the Big Ten adds four Pac-12 teams, then you'd have six of the – you'd have half the Pac-12. I mean, that would be plausible. And all the best Pac-12 teams, as far as that goes, beyond Oregon I would, or beyond Utah. You really could play the Big Ten championship in L.A. at the Rose Bowl. And yep. just call it the Rose Bowl. USC versus Ohio State. <laughs> right. <laughs> It'd be, that'd be, and play it on, you could play the Big Ten Championship on New Year's Day. We could do it. We could make that happen. Yeah, someone would pay to put it on their television screens, that's for sure. Right, right, exactly. So, um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to see, um, you know, just what happens with the SEC. Um, you know, obviously, we're adding Oklahoma and Texas next year, so uh, we'll see. SEC's not done. SEC's not done. I don't think the SEC's in any rush to add as many teams not- as the other conferences are. They'll be Correct. a little more picky. I think they're going to wait on Virginia and North Carolina. Yeah. Um, would they be can my afford guess, to be picky, but, but they can afford to be yeah. picky. Exactly. So, and the other thing. And they've got yeah, go the ahead. TV rights deal. They've got the TV rights deal. SEC does coming up next year, so that's kind of more the SEC deadline, I would argue, than uh, right this year. Right. So, yeah. Either way, I think there's going to be a lot more money flowing into Columbia. So that's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. Exactly. So, um, 
Well, yeah, that's uh, that's the wrap on episode 14 of Tailgate Talk, a six-com sports podcast. I want to apologize to the listeners for uh, <laughs> saying a bad word. Um, if anybody has to have a birds and the bees talk with their kid who's listening <laughs> to this podcast because of me, let me know. I'll send you a Chipotle <laughs> gift card or something. <laughs> but, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening.